Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Great guest today. We have a stand-up comedian on named Aaron. I won't try to bitcher his last name. Aaron is a really, really nice guy. Super cool. We got connected through a mutual uh, a past guest, Adam Lash. You may know him as the creator, one of the creators of GigaHose. He's been on Let's Chat a few times. I saw Adam was on his podcast, but I also, so I downloaded it, and I just fucking fell in love. Great podcast. And then Adam suggested on Twitter that Aaron would be a great guest for this show. Me and Aaron started talking. He said yes, thank God, because he's the man. Uh, Aaron's awesome, really funny. I watched a bunch of his YouTube videos before we did it for his comedy. Uh, his bits were sticking with me. They're really, really solid. He's a fantastic comedian. He's a re- great host. Check out his podcast, but I also where he has people on to talk about their day job and their passions. For example, when Adam Lash was on, he talks about his day job as a lighting director and the hope to become and how his passion is stand up comedy. So I think I, I just think it's a really cool way to cut through the noise of podcasting. Aaron is a nationally known comedian. He's a touring guy. If you are listening to this, he plays a lot of colleges and would like to continue to play colleges. So if you're in college or college is about starting up and you're looking to have a comedian come to school, contact Aaron, funnyaaron.com. And if you're in New York City, go see him play a show, follow him online. All the last, all the links will be on the uh, Core Temps Arts webpage, coretemparts.com. And if I sound a little out of it, it's like a few minutes before midnight before this is supposed to post, so I'm a little, a little tired. But uh, I had such a great time recording this episode, listening back. Uh, Aaron actually played at my alma mater, uh, I hope I said that right, Landmark College. So that was like just so cool. I felt like, oh my God, A, you've heard of it, and you've been there, and you played, and we knew some of the same people. Tons of fun. So go to Aaron's website, funnyaaron.com, follow him on Twitter, Facebook, watch his stuff on YouTube, see him live, book him at your college if you're in the student activities board or whatever you guys call them, and give him lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Tell him you heard him on the show. Also, I did a really fun thing for uh, my good friend Peter from the Hydrate Level 4 podcast. I got to guest host an episode of Hydrate Level 4, so I invited on my friend John Bristol, Elmwood Productions, and we talk about the 1979 Muppet movie, The Muppet Movie. Tons of fun. That should be going up soon. And Dwight and I are going to return very soon for TV8 My Brain's coverage of Mr. Robot. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Do me a huge favor, leave an iTunes review. That would just mean the world to me, and thank you for downloading it. I'm rambling. Let's get to it. In the future, humans create AI. Three days later, they have sex with it. Gigahose is a robot sex comedy with what's been called a South Park level of shock value. Creators Adam Lash and Kevin Gilligan take their concept in smart, surprising directions. It's been described as pure genius with a real clerks-like charm. Catch season one now at youtube.com slash gigahose. So where where are you from? So I'm from New Jersey originally. Okay, what part? I grew up 
grew up in New Jersey, Central Jersey, uh, down yep. near Freehold. I feel like not too many people know too much about New Jersey. So I say, near Freehold. And they say, where's that? And I say, that's where Bruce Springsteen is from. And they say, where's that? And I just say, eh, Central New Jersey. <laughs> then they go, where's that? And I say, well, like, it's not the North, it's not the South. It's kind of right oh. in the middle. <laughs> Never heard of the middle. Yeah, so that, that people can definitely understand middle as compared to North and South, I hope. <laughs> I feel like I've heard of Freehold because I'm familiar with like the New Brunswick area. Right. Yeah, it's so we're about 45 minutes or so from New Brunswick. Um, so it's not too far. I mean, towards I, Pennsylvania. It, we're, so I'm on east, eastern edge. So right near the water, about maybe it's 20, 30 minutes is where I grew up from the shore. I didn't. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife's from Jersey. Uh, okay. What part of New Jersey? She grew up in Bloomfield. Bloomfield. Okay, so that's more northern-ish, like yeah. The bridge and tunnel crowd. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Bloomfield, like in downtown Bloomfield or outside of Bloomfield? Not in. It wasn't really down. All right. This is the reference for anyone who knows Bloomfield. It was very close to where they filmed the last scene of The Sopranos. Mm, of, yes. Uh, Holston's. It was like a mile. It was like a main road, and then you go up, and it's just a bunch of small houses. Like okay. Thousands and thousands and thousands of small houses and just very Jersey and they're all right next to each other. And it was like the epitome of suburbia. Yeah. Bloomfield is, I would, I would say suburbia is where I grew up where there was thousands of houses, but they were all spread out with, you know, an acre, an acre and a half apart. And then yeah. you got these, everyone's got these big lawns that they never use and they just sit there yep. empty with lots of fertilizers poured on them. And then, but Bloomfield has, I mean, there's a cool little downtown strip, at least a street that is, you know, cool little condos not condos but you know apartment buildings with stores on the ground floor and then as soon as you get off of that main block it looks like it was abandoned in the 1950s and 60s yeah oh yeah they're not in that i know exactly what you're talking about i went to like a wedding rehearsal dinner somewhere in that area it was like it looks like newark and you're like where am i yeah I, I took the train out there once for a show and i got off the train there was one of those rare places where they haven't built a platform that's at the level of the train so you have to walk down the stairs to get off the actual train car and you just step down onto gravel and like there's no actual platform and then you just kind of walk down a gravel embankment through a parking lot and you walk through a couple back roads of what looks like it could have been these Fun little in the 1950s was a great little town, and now it's just shattered windows and falling apart buildings. And then you get to the downtown area where there's a small theater. Yep. Were you performing? Yeah, I had a show. I was, I think I was on some competition. This was also many years ago, so this could have totally changed at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, Montclair is like the nice one. Yes, yes. Uh, the first time I went out there, I took a bus, actually, a New Jersey transit bus, and I, this was like way before we had Google Maps on our phones. And I was just kind of sitting on a bus, hoping I was going to end up in the right place. Had no idea I where I was that. going. <laughs> yeah. God, what a different world back then. Oh, just man. Like, All right. Well, <laughs> I've sewed my hedges and uh, I've taken this bus and guess we're going to run this one. We're going to run its course. I'm on the wrong one. I'm going to take it back and hope the bus driver doesn't kick me off. Oh, I just got lucky that a nice guy on the bus noticed that I looked confused. And he's like, hey, where are you trying to go? And I was like, I'm going to Bloomfield. And he was like, oh, no, you are way past Bloomfield. That was 20 minutes ago. And I was like, all right, I guess I will walk. And luckily, I had some friends coming. So I called them and was able to explain where I was. They were coming from New Jersey. I was coming from New York City at the time. And they picked me up on a random road with lots of cars going by at a very high the speed. rare new yorker leaving to go to new jersey yeah I, oh i was i looked like such a like a new york city guy who can't handle himself outside of the big city like oh i'm yeah. in the wilderness i can't get by and i'm gonna get eaten by a bear you know it's suburbia I, do you happen to watch the show difficult people 
I do not. I have not watched the show, but I actually have done background work on that show. No way. So I've indirectly watched it by oh, sitting no in way. a diner. That show is fucking amazing. Yeah. But there was just an episode where where they go to New York. Uh, they were in New York, and then they go to New Jersey, and hijinks ensue. Where they're you know, the, it's, they end up being hot in New Jersey. Of course. It was just really funny. How did you end up doing – so I'm going to start at the beginning. So you're also a stand-up, which – and you do college tours, which I think is awesome because I used to when – I, I when I was in college, was on, I was part of our campus activity board. But I, I was never with the right people who uh, wanted to get comedians like that I wanted. So we never really got – we almost got Bo Burnham. This mm. is a, But this is when he was only YouTube fame. Gotcha. And – got in like an argument with someone because they're like youtube is not a real art form and i was like are you fucking kidding me this dude's hilarious and we can see him you were like this guy's gonna be huge i'm sure i said that but wasn't and in all honesty i wasn't because i had any for it so i I just thought i really like that song my mom thinks i'm gay and it wasn't my money (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't i was more of a music snob but my love of comedy kind of came with more of the last really it's comedy podcast just fucking changed me into a comedy nerd Oh, it's great. Well, every comic has a great story, I feel like. I feel like mine is not actually all that interesting compared to so many other comics that they had terrible experiences or traumatic things in their lives and they were like, this is my therapy. This is my way to, to yeah, get but it those out comics, there. comics, besides like the ones that are famous, like maybe like Doug Stanhope, aren't that good? <laughs> like a lot of people who say that are like, that's always like the the view that everyone's fucked up, but then you work a regular job, and the same percentage of comedians are fucked up, or the same as your office employee or your retail workers or whatever. Yeah, they just so, don't have a forum to explain have, their fucked upness. Yeah, because like even like my, some of my favorite comedians, like I mean, I know this is cliche, but like Gaffigan and Seinfeld are just so like never heard right of Brian them. Regan, like normal ass dudes who just work really hard. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, I think even Seinfeld made someone said, "Oh, are you the funny guy in your group? Were you the the comedian, the joke?" And Seinfeld was like, no, all of my friends were funny. It's just one day they all got real jobs and just stopped being funny. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it was for me. All my friends in college, very fun. I think they're funnier than I am, but, you know, they went and became lawyers and stuff, and now they're not not as funny. What's that? I believe it's Steve Martin quote that a comedian's job isn't to be funny, it's to be funny Friday at 8. Yeah, exactly. And so there's such a difference of just being the funny guy. Because I could be, I mean, I feel like... I've been bestowed on as the funny guy, but I can't fucking write a set and get up there and do what you do. Like, oh, no. I mean, so many comedians in real life are, they're pretty serious people and they have pretty in-depth, thoughtful opinions on things. Uh, and they're not that funny, actually. You know, like, no. when you, I remember what was it years and years ago when Jon Stewart was on Hannity and this was like, you know, the Daily Show was big back then, but this was yeah. years and years ago. First time he was on one of those news shows and it was before they were trading barbs over Twitter because Twitter wasn't even a big thing and i think hannity said something it was either hannity or bill o'reilly maybe no are you talking about tucker carlson oh that's oh you're right it was tucker carlson and he made some comment like oh i thought you'd be more funny in real life and he was like oh i thought you'd be less of a dick in real life and it's like that's the thing like it's not like john stewart was going to go on there to slip on a banana peel he was going to go on there to talk about the issues you know they've got a tv show where they talk about the issues like he's a smart guy yeah no, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I think I do remember seeing that. <laughs> I love John Stewart's reaction. It's like, uh, I fucking hate Tucker Carlson. Oh, and he, and John Stewart wasn't going to pull any punches. He wasn't going to mess around. Um, 
but yeah, so that's basically, I guess I did not have a, a weird messed up. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty short, so I got picked on a lot as a kid for being short. Yeah. Well, there, there it is. There's your, there's. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean, that wasn't a thing that pushed me to do stand up comedy. You I didn't just, get Napoleon syndrome though. No, no Napoleon complex. None of that. No, nothing. I just, I just loved comedy from the time I was a kid. And we had a, a family friend who was actually in the Friars Club. He was a really old guy. Like I went to his 90th birthday party and, he got me just involved in comedy. He gave me cassette wow. tapes of Abbott and Costello and Red Skelton and, and just all these just old, old Henny Youngman. I mean, just old guys that, and I fell in love with it. And here I am, this like 12, 13 year old kid quoting Henny Youngman to my friends. And they're just like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's such a sweet, also Jersey when he said Friars Club. I was like, I'm just picturing the Sopranos right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but that's like the sweetest thing that it's just like a family friend and it's just like, that's so sweet. Yeah. And it was, and I, I did improv in college. I was an architecture major in college, but I did improv when I was in college, a little improv in high school. And then, uh, when I had an internship in New York City over one summer, I had a chance to do a little bit of stand up comedy. Actually, thanks to the same friend, his, grandson's girlfriend worked at Gotham Comedy Club and I ended up sitting near them because that's the way this guy worked. He was like, I'm going to sit my, my little buddy here next to my grandson yeah. who's, whose uh, girlfriend works at Gotham and I'm going to set him up with a show. So I, that was my first ever show. And obviously it was a show where I did great because it was one of those bringer shows where you have to bring your friends to be allowed to perform. So you've got all your friends packing the audience and I did great. And I was convinced, Hey, I could be a stand up comedian. You know, I did it once, so obviously I'm perfect, and I'm the next Seinfeld. <laughs> is it? Um, did you ever see Sleepwalk with Me, where Berbiglia has that line? It's like you have to be a little bit delusional when you're starting comedy because you're gonna suck, but you have to think you're good. Oh, it's it's so true. I mean, it's, I did a coaching session about two years after I graduated. I had a full time job in the city, and I was you know doing some shows at night, a few open mics here and there, and I had a coaching session with a comic that I really respected, and she gave me some of the best and kind of worst advice. She was like. This is great, you know, Aaron. This is, you've improved so much in this time from when I first saw you. I mean, you know what? I think you could be on Comedy Central very soon. I'm going to submit your name. I'm going to get you in. I mean, you could easily be on TV. You know, he gave me all this great stuff, you know, really inflated my ego. And it was what convinced me to quit my job, basically. It was all this wonderful <laughs> stuff she told me. But at the same time, she kind of left out all the, like, you could be on Comedy Central in 15 years. You know, she <laughs> left that oh, part out. Yeah. <laughs> And that person was Amy Schumer. Yes, and that was Amy Schumer. Uh, I've actually used to do many open mics with Amy Schumer. No, nope. that's what's kind of, I, I kind of like that about comedy because like I came from like a, I grew up in like the DIY punk hardcore scene in Connecticut yeah. for like music, and it was always weird because it was always like this level of like you would be go someone's your peer, and then all of a sudden that band takes off and you're like, wow, they're huge. And I'm still in my shitty job at the grocery store. Who's like the big band that you now were like, I used to do shows with him. Uh, big ones. I, I didn't really play anything, but I used to see, uh, I used to see yellow card frequently, not that- even on purpose. They were just always on tour. They've uh-huh. come through a lot. Um, in terms of, like smaller stuff, oh, why do I always draw a blank? A lot of stuff in that world, like, well, well, Haybreed was already pretty huge at that time, but they were always around. Um, they were just always hanging. So it's just, it's just weird, like that. 
Yeah, that must be sort of strange to say about Amy Schumer, like, oh, we're open micers. Okay, now you're selling out the garden. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it was pretty quick. She kind of disappeared from the open mics pretty quickly once she got a couple recommendations and then she went out to Montreal to do the Just for Laughs Festival and then pretty quickly got on Last Comic Standing and I think was in the top five that season. And she did. Once you're in the top five, you go on the tour, you build a fan base. And she was also very different from any of the comics that were getting success at that time so yeah. it was it was good and it was funny because like you know she we used to make fun of each other at open mics i remember i took out a granola bar once i was at an open mic before it started and she was like oh what did your mom pack that for you like you know we were just like joking around with each other yeah. and then two years later she's just like disappeared completely and traveling the country doing shows as i was at that same open mic eating a different granola bar <laughs> but that's but you're you're uh is that your living now? Are you a full-time comedian? Yeah, so stand-up comedy, I mean, is pretty much the, the thing that pays the bills. It's, uh. So that's I, success. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I travel a lot for colleges. I think the colleges are the main thing that pay the bills. And, you know, they're very different from a show that you would do in New York oh. City. You oh, know, of you, course. So did you do to NACA? Do you, how did you get to, what was your road to NACA? Uh, so I actually have not showcased at a NACA yet. Which is the National Association of College Campuses, maybe campus activities, something. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's it's not an athletic conference. Just it's uh it's oh, very. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been to plenty of them. I I love watching the showcases because you know you'll watch a comedian go up, then you'll watch a juggler go up, then you watch a mind reader go up and and do weird stuff with the crowd, and then another comedian goes up, and then you've got a magician flinging cards at everybody, and then someone goes up with a popcorn machine, and it's like all these different things that you're trying to convince colleges to. Spend spend money on for potential events and it's kind of a crazy realization when you're like wow i'm competing with a popcorn machine yep <laughs> they might spend their budget on bringing a llama that you could pet i don't really know if i'm the same kind of in the same category <laughs> but people are hiring you yeah yeah so i i did uh mostly just a massive email campaign i just found some contacts and you know it's hard you have to be a little aggressive without being too pushy and, you know, it's, it's that confidence thing of you just have to confidently say, hey, you know, I'm a stand up comic performing at a lot of colleges, love to come out to your school. Uh, here's some videos. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Happy to chat about a show. Let me know if you don't want me to email you anymore. I, I won't bother you. I promise my feelings won't be hurt. Just let me know. Talk to you soon. You know, that kind of thing. That's perfect. Yeah. And just after a couple of years of doing it, it went from one or two colleges to four or five a year. And now I'd say maybe 15, 20 a year. And it's great. You get to travel to amazing places that I would never have expected to go to in my life. And I think that's a lot of fun getting to see all these random parts of the country that I would not have expected to see. You get to find out how many colleges are just in the middle of nowhere. It's a did they did someone say like this is far from everything let's put a college here like yeah. it really it feels that way doesn't it I went to one of those colleges in Vermont and was just like hey let's just put this here where in Vermont uh, Green Mountain College in Pulteney Vermont which is like outside Rutland Green Mountain so I've been up to UVM I've been up to Landmark College really. Uh, I've been up to, there's another college I'm blanking on that was about an hour, like straight north of Montpelier, just straight up. Um, uh, when were you at Landmark? I actually, I uh, used, I went to and used to work at Landmark. Oh, yeah, this was. No one ever has ever heard of that place, so that's why I didn't, I don't even bring it up ever. Oh, no, I, I know Landmark well. I had a great show there. I think a lot of the kids there, I think, have some learning disabilities. And, yeah, yeah, it's a know, school for LD kids. 
yeah, different varieties of it. You know, some that are just like you wouldn't even know from talking to them and others yeah. that are just like constantly like kind of smiling and rubbing their hands together and staring yeah. at the ground, but having a great time at the show. And do you, you know, know they, who booked you? Uh, yeah, it was a woman who doesn't work there anymore. Emily? She, yes, Emily North. Emily North. Yeah. Oh wow. my gosh. We know the same people. What a small fucking world. Oh man. I, I went there in like, oh, four to six. I don't think that our time frames line up. Oh no. This was a couple of years later that I was up there. Is anyone else listening? If you know Emily North, uh, send us an email. <laughs> she was a kooky lady. She was a fun, yeah, funny lady. She was awesome. Well, good for her for doing that. Cause I even mean, when I was there, I was trying to get like, stuff like that going and it wasn't her it just never had the resources or the people who wanted that stuff yeah it wasn't a frequent thing i think they did comedy once or twice a year they just wanted to yeah. try it out you know we had not a huge crowd but we had a, a good size i don't know yeah. it was a, at least 20 or so students came out and it's it's weird if you have 20 students in a small space and they set you up in a little room it could be great or if you have 20 students in a theater meant to hold 300 uh, it could be a little weird. And we were in one of yeah. those, you know, 150, 200 seat theaters with about 20 students. And, you know, I got them all to sit kind of close to the front and sit in the middle. And so it was okay. It was just, it had the potential to be even weirder. Yes. And, and, and that's fun. And that's happy. Well, for, and for people listening, like small schools don't bring big crowds. So for a school of like three or 400 people to get 20 is actually a big deal. Yeah. And you, you never know. That's the one thing I've found when going to colleges that they're kind of their own animal that I don't know how the campus activities boards promote. Sometimes they promote really well. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes even if they don't promote well, they get a great turnout. Other times if they do promote really well, they'll get no turnout. Yeah. You just never know. And it's, I've been at big schools with gigantic crowds, you know, 300 students in a huge theater. And it's just like, wow, this is a real, this is a professional show. I'm in a professional theater. There's a lighting guy who's following me with a, with a spotlight. And then other times you're at a gigantic school. They put you in their, you know, underground, billiards room or whatever and you've got four students there even though there's five thousand at the school and you're competing with the sound of air hockey going on right behind you yep good way to get your chops up ah it's these chops are up these chops are up and they are tired of those kinds of shows (laughs) and but and colleges notoriously hopefully for you uh pay way too much money Yes, it is kind of insane how much money they spend. And I think because they realize if you're going to get a comic that can perform for 60 minutes and a comic that can handle those potential weird situations, you've got to pay well enough for a comic who has that experience and knows what they're doing. I mean, there's plenty of comics that can go in and give you a solid 15, 20 minutes, but... If you're going to do that, then you've got to now bring in three or four comics. You've got to bring in an MC. You've got to coordinate all those people coming in that at that point, you're going to end up spending that same amount of money. Yep, so you exactly. just bring one comic. It's just that's what the accepted amount is, that it's a pretty high going rate to bring a comic out. Um, and that's just that's it. You can't really do anything about it. I, I have noticed that some schools have kind of started to try to cut that price down a little bit. You know, everybody's got their budgets cut. At least that's what everybody says. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's like, yeah, that's probably true. That's that's a bummer. Yeah, but it's great. I mean, that's it's been a great source of income, a great source of fans, you know, a great source of Instagram followers. Well, I mean, those are the people that are going to grow up and then become comedy fans. And then five years, ten years later, they might become the next big thing. Or you yeah. never know. You, you, you're getting people. Maybe you're seeing the person. Someone's going to see you and be like, I want to do that. Oh, I'm sure I've inspired tens of students to become <laughs> comedians. Yeah, that's it is funny, and and comedy is such a strange 
thing because my friend just had a birthday party and we went to the Comedy Connection in East Providence, uh-huh. which is a piece of garbage. Yeah. Um, varying on the night you're there, it, it's a bar that has comedy. Oh, I and, like the sound uh, of that. Yeah. Are there TVs on at the bar? There, no, there were no TV. I mean, it's a comedy club, but it's like real working class 1980, like footloose kind of town. Oh, I so, see. So like my friend, didn't, we didn't know who the guy was, who was performing and the guy who was playing, by the way, he killed, he was killing in the room, mm-hmm. but a lot of his jokes were about how he and gay men have things in common, but the punchline, except his exact punchline was, except getting fucked in the ass. And you're like, wow. <laughs> This, and I'm like, I lean over, I'm like, are you watching like improv, uh, e- evening at the improv from like 1989? Like it was his set. It was a comedian from the eighties doing the exact set from the eighties. Of course. And it fucking slayed. But I was like, oh, that's not the comedy I like. The stuff I like comes to like our small theaters and like. Yeah, that's, that's the sad part is that it's not sad. I mean, look, laughter is laughter. And you know, you can debate back and forth about whether or not you know, a joke is a good joke or it's an easy joke or it's a hacky joke or, I mean, unless it's actually something that has been said before and documented, in which case you can't debate whether it is or isn't hacky. But, I mean, you can go back and forth about like, I don't know, isn't 10 minutes of observational humor about different kind of farts? I mean, isn't that just as good as your really in-depth, thoughtful commentary on the racial situation in America that you found a way to make funny? And it's like, well, I mean, I guess laughter is laughter, so I can't really debate you on whether or not a joke does or doesn't do well i can just debate whether or not a joke was really easy and was a low-hanging fruit yep you know it's I mean, what it, yeah it's like what kind of food do you want to eat do you want to just eat pizza and burgers every day or do you want to well, go to a really fancy restaurant i want to have a really high class burger well that's se and that isn't aren't gastro pubs all the rage right now I know, but you know, and, and someone like for your job is you have to walk into the comedy connection in East Providence mm-hmm. or you got to walk to Lamar College and then adjust. I was just talking to my girlfriend about this, about <laughs> her saying, you know, when you do like the, the firehouse does their show, like where this, the audience is just, they're drunk, they're yelling and that, that's when they want to hear the fart jokes. And we were saying how like, oh, I should work on my material that's going to do well. And then we're just like, Aaron, you just, you don't do well at those shows anyway. Don't even bother. Don't even bother to try to figure out how to make those guys laugh. There's, there's no reason. <laughs> yeah. Aren't there some crowds you don't want to kill for? Well, that's, I, look, and look, I don't want to, that's why I don't want to bash the comics who do well there. I mean, hey, it's, if you certainly, can make your living, it's a yeah. certain skill and yeah, you can make a living doing comedy, which is more than most comics can say. It's just that it's not the kind of crowd that I feel I, one, that I can do well, and two, that the kind of jokes it takes for me to do well there, I don't feel comfortable saying. That's, yeah, those are the ones where it's like, well, you don't want to hear any of that PC culture, do you? Yeah, you don't want that. And the, Let's just at, get a little racist. Look at this guy, look at this guy's shirt, huh? What'd you, what'd you, your, your wife let you out of house wearing that shirt, huh? You let, not that kind of, I just can't. I just no, there, there, there was these people sitting next to us. Uh, I'm sorry to keep harboring on this, but I'm so still obsessed with this moment. Oh, the I'm just as was, upset about it as you are. He was in a full-on America t- uh, button-down shirt and a cowboy hat, and there's a comedian making jokes about millennials being sensitive and, you know, basically how millennials are bitches. And the guy was just fucking laughing his ass off. And, you know, it's funny. Whatever. And then the uh, next comedian comes up and makes a joke about gun control. And it was a good, it was a pretty good joke. He's like, think something about along the lines of think of the stupidest person at your job. Do you want them to have a gun? 
no, nah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. And the guy got so, the America guy, I'm going to call him, <laughs> got very offended by this. But after laughing about millennials, how we're so sensitive and being offended easily. But then he talks about gun control. You hear, boo! And he gets really sensitive and offended easily. <laughs> don't talk about things I don't like. <laughs> like yeah, that's that's the audience that I don't know. I'm too upset if I can't make them laugh. I don't even know what I was like, dude. You, you, I don't understand. Like, I'm a little offended by some stuff, but I'll deal. Yeah, I can handle it. I can sit quietly. Yeah. Also, I, I love that he thought he had to boo and had to yell out yeah. boo at the joke at the joke premise. Guns, people, huh? Boo! People don't realize they think they have to like boo or heckle. The worst thing you can do for a comic is not heckle or yell out. The hardest thing for us to deal with is if you sit there quietly. So next time I see a cl- cl- uh, uh, comic I hate, we'll just get everyone around me like no words. Yeah, just it, as long if you just don't laugh, like there's no comeback for silence. That's true. You know, I can't if you try to heckle me. I've been at plenty of shows where people have tried to heckle me, and many shows where they don't try to heckle me. But you know, if you're gonna heckle me, chances are you're not nearly as funny as I am because I do this every night. I've encountered every experience there is to have. I, I've ha- heard every heckle there is. Every anything you want to yell at me about being short, I've probably heard already, and I already know how to respond to it in a way that's going to turn the audience and make you look like a complete idiot. But if you just sit there quietly. I can't do anything. I, I can't, oh yeah, well, uh, well, here's another joke you won't laugh at. You know, what, what am I gonna do? I can't respond to that. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, that's, I never even thought of that. Silence. Like, nah, fine. Yeah, I mean, that's, figure it out. Look, I've had a show where the whole audience is laughing and then one guy just has his arms crossed and is just staring through your head at the wall behind oh, you. How do you deal with that? You deal with it by ignoring it completely and then talking to someone about it on a podcast two years later. That's <laughs> You still remember what he looks like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember every time I've had a show where someone's done that. It's Every comic will tell you that they can't help but focus on the one person not laughing, and it drives well, us nuts. And they sit in the front, too. Isn't that like a thing? You always sit in the front. Oh, they're <laughs> always right in the front. And the thing you have to, you know, when I was younger and newer at comedy, I used to then, I'd comment on it, or if someone yelled something out, I'd respond to it. What I've learned is most of what people yell out, the rest of the audience doesn't even hear. No, you have no clue what's going on. You're like, what? Oh, if you just completely ignore it, if anything, you're going to make it weirder as the comic by now trying to respond to what's being yelled out. I mean, there are definitely times where if you pause and it's quiet and then someone yells something out, obviously everyone heard it and then you've got to respond to it. But uh, there are plenty of times where I've held back and not responded when someone has yelled out or heckled and just kept on going because that's an even better way to shut up a heckle is through other people's laughter. Where in the country have you got to go? Uh, so I've traveled so many places. I've been out west coast, California, up north and south of California, but San Diego and all over LA, Washington state. I've been to Spokane. Uh, that was fun. I've been out to Fargo. That was exciting visiting Fargo in North Dakota. Um, I've been all over the Midwest. I've been noticing a lot of Midwest shows. That's always been fun. I love going to Wisconsin and Minnesota, that area. Uh, I travel there a lot. I was recently, I was in Birmingham. I had some of the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life when I was down in Birmingham. Uh, uh yeah, I'd imagine. The best, South. the best barbecue. See, this is the thing. I, one of my things is when I do travel, I love to eat. And I love to try food and whatever is local around there. So it's like, I got to yeah. get fried cheese curds when I'm in Wisconsin. I got to get ribs when Ooh. I'm in Kansas City. You know, I got to get pulled pork or as they call it, just barbecue when I'm in North Carolina. Um, yeah. it's, ugh, it's great. 
And so you actually enjoy the travel part. You do it right. Because that's all I, when I go anywhere, I'm like, what can I eat? Because it's sometimes culture so could be so homogenized. So it's like the food is sometimes the last of like, you can just get that thing that only, I can only get this here. Oh, yeah. And that's, well, it's on the one hand, yeah, it, it is unique when you travel. And at the other hand, I'm always blown away by how opposite of unique places are. You could be driving through suburban New Jersey or Ohio or Michigan or Iowa and you drive by a little mini mall or shopping plaza that has the exact same stores that you just saw two weeks ago in a state five states away. Yeah, I thought when I driven cross country, it was like that. I'm like, are, wow, there's a sure lot of McDonald's, Walmart, Sonics, thrift store. It's just like these little combo spots off on 80 and you're just like, wasn't I here like yesterday? It's just the same thing. It's just everywhere you go. It's amazing. It's the same thing. I mean, and now it's gotten fancy. Now there's a Panera at all of those places. Yeah. But it's yeah. just the same, it's the same Panera. It's st- Starbucks, that yeah. stuff. It's that same yeah. sandwich you want to get. But that's why I do like when I get to try when I'm like, oh, I'm in Kansas City. I know these will be the best ribs I've ever had in my life. Uh, that's always fun. I mean, what's hard too when I travel, especially if it's just for a college or something, I, I'll fly out in the morning have the show that night, I'm exhausted because I had to get up early. Because you always want to book a much earlier flight than you need because you yeah. don't want to risk a flight getting canceled and then oh, the show gets true. messed up. You know, you, you got to be there. You can't You can't not be there. You don't get paid if you don't show. Right. There's no excuses. You can't do it the next night. You know, it's just it has to be done. It's not like a job where you can call in sick or be like, hey, can I hand this, this assignment in tomorrow? No, it's got to be done that night. So sometimes I get there and I'm just exhausted. I just want to take a nap do my show, and then I fly out the next day and just go home. And it's like, yeah, I might have been in Georgia, but I didn't do a thing. I just tend to be in Georgia and then came home having made a little bit of money. All that travel for an hour, Yeah, just for an hour. It's great when you can block a few shows together when you're already out in an area, or if you could maybe add a, make it a little mini vacation for a few nights. But, you know, because you forget, like, it still is a job. Oh, yeah, it's work. Yeah, it's still work. It's still a job. So uh, on the one hand, I sometimes I'll get frustrated if I don't get to explore or really travel around or check out some cool shop or museum or something that they have. On the other hand, I kind of remind myself, like, Aaron, you're still working. You came here. You did your show. You got paid. And you went home. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. And is it hard exploring alone? Are you good at that? Yeah, I mean, I've gotten used to it now. I, I will, I will task my girlfriend with finding me a cool place to eat. So it's one thing, you know, if I'm really missing my girlfriend too, cause you know, she's sitting at home by herself and now I'm away all by myself. We'll kind of yeah. text back and forth about, Oh, there's supposed to be a really good restaurant. It's like a nice down home diner that I think was featured on a show. You should check it out. It, let me know if this is That's near sweet. where you are. So she'll find me places and then I go and then I take pictures and send it back to her. I'm that guy sitting by myself taking a picture of my food before I eat it and I I've gotten over feeling shame for doing that. Now I don't care. I like to do it and send a picture back. And I, what I've actually done is I've brought food back with me on the plane. Like I've bought, I brought barbecue back with me through, through security. So I'll bring like ribs. Like I brought a container with me when I went out to St. Louis the last time because I knew I was going to go to Pappy's barbecue and I was going to get an extra order of ribs and I was going to fill up this container with ribs so that my girlfriend and I could have it for dinner the next day. That's so sweet. Yeah. And it's great. And this way it's like she got to come with me. So she gets all the benefits of the ribs without having all to do the shitty travel. Yeah, she gets to hang out and not be in a weird, creepy hotel. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's from my knowledge of Torah and comedians. It just seems a little lonely. Yeah, it, it can get that way. That I guess that's the nice thing with colleges is you're not, I don't do as many shows at clubs where you might go out on a Wednesday and have shows, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, a couple shows Friday, a couple shows Saturday, another show Sunday, and then you go back on Monday and you're just by yourself yeah. that whole time. And it's why so many comics end up drinking a lot because you're making whatever small amount of money you're making to be out there. And they'll give you free drinks. They'll usually shuttle you back and forth to the the hotel or, in many cases, the comedy condo. A lot of these clubs just own a condo where they put all the comics up. And, yeah, you're by yourself for days and days at that time, especially if you book two weekends in a row. You're probably not going to come home in between. Oh, God, I can't even. Yeah, did you see that documentary, I Am Comic? Uh, I've seen I don't think I've seen that one yet. I need to, There are so many documentaries about comedy that I I, I need to catch up. It must be hard too, because when you're home, I'm sure that's the last thing you want to do. Like you want to do the opposite of your job. Yeah, when you're when you're away, you're like, oh, I wish I was at home. And then when you're home, you're like, I should be out working. Away. Yeah, you can't win. Yeah. Uh, so how do you find uh, doing stand up in New York? Is it you know you must be able to get up a lot? Yeah, I mean, what what's amazing about New York? It's a blessing and a curse. It is there are so many opportunities, so many clubs, so many bars that do shows and restaurants and downstairs areas and pizza shops that have restaurants. I mean, just uh, sorry, pizza shops that have shows, not pizza shops that have restaurants. That would be redundant. <laughs> uh, have you tried our Indian restaurant inside of our pizza shop? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd go, I'd go that to that. Sounds great. Indian pizza. Actually, I've had that. It's on a non. It was called Nanini. It was fantastic. Um, that sounds delicious. But, so, it's great because there's a lot of opportunities. On the other hand, the I guess the word is out that there are opportunities and there are so many comics in New York City. I mean, it is amazing how many hundreds and hundreds of comedians there are in this city. And not just people who are comedians, but good comedians. I mean, guys like that you've seen on TV and then people who are not on TV, but are actually very good and should be on TV. And it's just, it's hard because it's kind of competitive a little bit, I think. And then on top of that, there's then for as many hundreds of good comedians there are, there's then thousands of not as good comedians that also manage to get stage time and also manage to get the spot on the show that you feel you deserve. Yeah. You know, I, I, I found this with comedy that I am at a point where I don't want to watch people coming up to the ranks. I like to see them when they're already formed. Like, yeah. There's no fun of watching someone bomb. No. Or try, like, I don't, I don't want to hang out open mic. I like to go to like the small theater when they're at like your level and above. Yeah. It's, after. It's, it's hard because in New York City, I mean, you might go to a comedy club and see, you know, pretty good comics. I mean, there's obviously because you're in New York City, there's a chance where Jim Gaffigan could walk in or Louis C.K. could walk in or Judah Freelander, Janine Garofalo could just walk in. I mean, plenty of times Dave Chappelle has just wandered into clubs. So sure, there's that possibility the other thing is you might go to some random bar that has a free show downstairs and there's 50 60 people packed into some little room and on the one hand you might actually get louis ck or someone dropping in on the other hand there's some comic you've never heard of who is brilliant and blowing your mind doing 10 minutes of material and it's someone you've never heard of and don't know so it's almost just that much more exciting and you just you never know you never know what you're going to get have you performed and had like the big names drop in on you and like bump you? Yeah, I had a, a recent, not recent, maybe a year or so ago. I was on some show and I was supposed to go last on the show. Not, I wouldn't call it headlining. It was more just that's the way the order went that I happened to be going last on the show. And Jim Gaffigan came by and was working on some stuff. 
and just did a very large amount of time. And I mean, it's fine. Obviously, the club was happy to put him up. The audience was happy to put them up, put him up, see him up there. Uh, there were not very many audience members to begin with. So the club was kind of trying to rush the show along. And there was one other comic and then me. And I got my time cut to, I think, two and a half minutes or something. Like it's, it was almost like, oh. don't even, don't even give me two and a half minutes. Just tell me, sorry, we've got to end the show. And just tell me to go home. It was so... Did you have to go up after him? Yeah. Luckily, there was one more comic and then me. Not that it... I mean, I don't care. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I can't follow Jim Gaffigan. And it's like, sure you can. If you are funny enough, you can follow Jim Gaffigan. It's not... I mean, yeah. people get it. Like, I, I think the audience isn't going to be like, well, this guy isn't as funny as that famous guy who's been doing it for 20, 30 years. Like, no one's going to... Yeah, that's true. I think they get that they really can't judge you compared to Jim Gaffigan. But if you go up there like, oh man, I, that Jim Gaffigan was funny, huh guys? Huh? Well, here are my crappy jokes. You know, then of course you're not going to do well if you have that attitude. That's funny though. Comedians will like, people won't start comedy because they'll watch George Carlin special. I can't do that. And it's like, well, don't compare yourself to the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. You got it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. We all do that. Like, People won't, oh, I can't do that because I'll never be Jim Gaffigan or... It's like, of course you're not. Like, Jim Gaffigan wasn't Jim Gaffigan when he started. No, I don't think he ever thought he'd get where he is either. No. I, I mean, I guess he always knew he was Jim Gaffigan, but he wasn't. You know what I mean? He wasn't that, that yeah. Jim Gaffigan. I mean, I, I worked on the road for a guy. I was featured for him. He was a headliner on the road, and he was telling me how he's had a lot of features over the years. He's been doing it 25, 30 years. And he's like, yeah, I had this one guy. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of him. I had Dave Chappelle used to feature for me, but this was way before he had any success or fame, and yeah. no one knew him. And he was like, yeah, he was up there just doing impressions of the temptations you know he wasn't and he told me he was like it's not like what he was doing was that original it wasn't a unique thing it wasn't special it was funny but it wasn't the kind of thing where you would see it and be like this guy wow he's gonna be good you know it, he didn't say it was bad it just was a, it was an average what you would expect from someone who had just started doing comedy that's funny to hear that and it's dave Chappelle. and it was dave Chappelle. yeah and, <laughs> because we know him as dave Chappelle now but yeah, yeah we all start somewhere yeah I mean, I think I definitely want to pivot to talk, I want to bring up your awesome podcast, but I podcast, which I found because our mutual podcast friend, or I assume you must know him in real life as well. Adam Lash was on Adam Lash. The amazing Adam Lash was recently on my podcast, which is called, but I also, uh, that's my little plug for, but I also, it's a podcast exploring not only what you do for a living, but also what else you love to do. How is that? I switched I to my radio voice as I said that. I love it. Oh, no, I can tell. No, I think it's great. Cause, uh, there's a lot of these, you know, just two guys talking podcasts out there. Yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> me. <laughs> but I think it, your podcast is like, oh, wow, that actually kind of cuts above the noise. It's it's different than what I'm doing and most people are doing. Well, thank you. I mean, that the idea was that I realized like for someone like even like me, you know, I used to be an architect, but I also did stand up comedy. Yeah. And, you know, one summer I was working at a temp job because, believe it or not, even famous unknown comedians like me need to have temp jobs here and there to make a little cash. Yeah. Uh, I was working in an office for a clothing company and I was talking to one woman. She does textile design. And then she mentioned that she makes her own hot sauce. And I was like, that's pretty amazing. Do you like sell it? She was like, oh, yeah, I sell it in grocery stores. We're in a couple restaurants. And I was like, wow. So do you want to quit your job and do that? She's like, no, I love my job. And I was like, but 
you make hot sauce? She's like, yeah, it's another thing that I do. And I realized I love talking to people who have this also. And then she yeah. was kind of an inspiration to be like, I should really, I, I love finding this out. Other people love this too. There's got to be other people who have also's. So I've gotten an opportunity to talk to some really amazing people who have really fascinating jobs and then have, even if they're boring jobs, it's still interesting because everyone is different about their job. I mean, I, I talked to a guy who was an anti-money laundering investigator for banks and he would figure out if people were, you know, laundering money, whatever it was. And then at the, on the other hand, he also loves to travel the country playing in poker tournaments. <laughs> and it was like wow. really interesting that he's telling me about like, yeah, so I found, you know, this might have been linked to terrorism, this group that I found that was investing money in this thing. And I had to tell my boss, but they were investing a lot of money. So my boss didn't really want to hear about it. And then we had to report it to the feds. And then he's like, but, you know, I would never do anything shady with money like that. And he's like, oh, but I love playing poker. I love gambling. That's what I love. <laughs> he's talking about maxing out his credit cards to go play poker. And I'm like, you're almost laundering money away from yourself at this point. Yeah. But it was, no, absolutely. It's just fascinating when you learn about people and, and learning what else they do. And that's why I just, I really enjoy it. I love learning about people. And I feel like you kind of some, in a way, catch people on the rise up because maybe those will be the people that, like you, left their job. Yeah. Just like, I've got at a, one point you were also, but I, right. Am a comedian. <laughs> now it's not a, but I, now it's a, I, I am, I hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 And no, and I think there's like a lot of people have like, I do this as a, uh, means to the end but what i really want to do is right. this right well and that's what i'm learning for some people it's yeah i'm just working a job until i can get this other thing for other people like this woman who makes hot sauce she loves her job and she also loves making hot sauce um so she's not trying to quit her job she just likes having this hobby um yeah yeah other people i know a guy who's a he's a teacher for middle school math and he also plays in a band and he just you know, I, I said, so are you looking to make that your full-time career? And he's like, no, it's just kind of an opportunity for me to explore another side of myself, you know, just get out there. And I think that's what's fascinating. For some people, it is, yeah, this is what I want to do with my life, and eventually I'll leave this other weird job we just talked about. Um, and then for others, it's just, no, I just have a really cool hobby and a cool passion. Yeah, I had a cousin who was a biochemist for the longest time. And then the band took off and he had, he, you know, presented that choice and he was like 38, married with a kid. Mm -hmm. He took the cooler option. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but it, it's funny because I've also met people who also get the opportunity of like music business. Fuck that. I want stability. Yeah. Like, no, I, which, I like income. <laughs> yeah. You don't always hear that like in a movie or the, that side. Like, you know, there's a big risk for the people like you and the people who make it or whatever because like, you know, you, you have to give up income. And, yeah. Some reason comedians uh, and artists love to live in one of the most expensive cities in the country. So uh yeah, if only the all the comedy clubs weren't in the place where the this giant know, right? amount of population lived. It's you know, I It'd be so much easier. Oh, that would be great. If only there were could you, 15 <laughs> comedy clubs in Spokane, Washington. Right? If you can have like uh, there's a popular pop punk band called The Descendants and I know their the story is I, I believe this is them that they like signed to a major label took the money and opened a studio in like Missouri because it was so cheap and then were able to sustain the band thing. And, um, I was actually reading an article about Lincoln Park today about how they're starting a fucking like venture capital firm to, to sustain the music that they make. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, it's a good idea. That's what they should do. I, I have a friend who actually moved from New York City after eight, nine years of doing comedy. He moved to Indianapolis. Mm. He, it's super cheap out there. 
there yeah. is an actual, there's, you know, I think there's a small comedy club in Indianapolis. I think there's two of them. And then from Indianapolis, if you drive four or five, six hours, you can hit so many major cities. You can get to Chicago. You can go north and hit cities. You can go south, get into Kentucky. I mean, there's, there's so many places you can get to from there. And it's kind of like, wow, that's a great idea. Usually people go the other way where they spend three or four years in a place like Indianapolis and then move to LA or Chicago or New York City, but he kind of went the other way with it. Is that ever your plan? Are you, are you staying in New York? Oh, I'm not, not going yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And you're from Jersey too, so yeah. like your family's close by. Yeah, I've got family. My girlfriend's family is in Connecticut, so it's it's easy oh, enough. Uh, they're up by New Haven. They're in Milford. Yeah, yeah I'm, I grew up in Meriden. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, which is I'm up, north of Milford, up in Connecticut a lot. Um, but yeah, so I don't see going anywhere. Uh, I mean, unless you know some TV show is like, "Hey, Aaron, you're gonna be in a sitcom, but you got to move to LA," and be like, "Okay, yeah, that's how it always works. They just find you." Hey, no one's auditioning for this stuff. No, yeah, I'm actually I'm getting a phone call right now from Hollywood. Uh, it just came up on my phone <laughs> as the area code Hollywood, first name Hollywood, last name Hollywood. Um, I think it's I should probably take this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, I know there's some good filming in New York now, which is really cool. Oh, there are so many. Well, first of all, a lot of the late night shows are back here, which is great. Yeah. Um, except Larry Wilmore. No, he's, not anymore. That he's done. That's over. I know. Yeah. How do you feel about, that? I, I was telling my wife, I was like kind of saddened by it. She goes, we haven't watched it in like months. I'm like, Oh. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where if you liked it and wanted it to stick around, you could have done your part. I mean, I I stopped watching a lot of late night stuff anyway. I don't watch any of yeah. it. I just don't get. I like to watch the YouTube clips of Conan, essentially. Yeah, there's there's some good. I mean, Fallon has some good YouTube clips that I'll watch. Yeah, after the fact, I'm a YouTuber, and, but I don't want to watch. I don't watch anything. God, I'm not even up that late. I have you know, I have a fucking day job. I have to be up. I have to be at work by eight. Yeah. So like I'm not, well, that's the other thing. If I'm, if I'm watching that, it means I'm not doing what I should be doing, which is going out to do a show. Yeah. You sh- you're not supposed to be home at 1135. Yeah. I mean, my, you should be working. My dream is to, or if I'm up, it's because I'm on the actual show doing a, a comedy set, hopefully one day. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's the only way. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. And I don't think. Getting on late night is, I mean, it's awesome and it's great, but it's, it's not the old days like you get on Carson and you have a career. No, it's, like, it's I, not at all. I was just talking to a friend who I think within two or three weeks he did Conan and did back when Ferguson was on. So he was okay. on both of them within, I think, two weeks. And one of the things he always talks about when we talked about it, I had him on my podcast as well. I'm going to have a series coming out pretty soon on my podcast of stand up comics as their main job who also do something else. Because usually it's oh, like, really oh, I'm a waiter and I do stand-up comedy. So like this guy is a stand-up comic, but he also choreographs the movements for marching bands for high huh. schools. So like yeah. two months of, out of the year, he goes back to Texas where he's from and he does choreography for nine or ten high schools. And like he'll spend a week with each high school. So it's fascinating, the stuff we talked about. But he's yeah. hilarious comic. His name is Tony Deo. You should check him out. Uh, D-E-Y-O. That's my little plug for my buddy Tony. Um, but yeah, great comic, been on Conan, been on Ferguson. And one of the things he talks to me about, he's, he's like, you know, it's just as exciting as it is, it does nothing for your career. I mean, 
the clubs like to see that they have a TV credit, that you have a TV credit, but there's so many other comics that also have the same TV credit. Yep. You know, there's so many opportunities, but at the same time, there are so many opportunities. Everybody's got it. Except for me. I don't have those, but, but Tony said he's got the, the cue card from Conan with that, you know, says, you know, tonight making his TV debut. Please welcome Tony Deo. And he's got the cue card in a frame on his wall. And we were talking about how it's kind of like having a diploma on your wall, how a lot of people might have gone to college, have this piece of paper framed on their wall. And, you know, it sure it means a lot to you, but it might be kind of meaningless in your everyday life. And that's what that cue card is for him. It's his diploma. You know, no one can take that away from him. At the same time, no one else really knows it's there. <laughs> that's such a good way to put it. Yeah, it's it's real. I mean, it's it's great and it's real and it's a true accomplishment and a, and a, a a true it's a tangible point of accomplishment that so much especially oh, in comedy music all of that it's so hard to judge where you are and what actual quote success is that at least when you get on a late night show it's real you achieved yeah. you've attained you did it you did that you know three years from now it might not make a difference but at that point no you're there you did it that, that, that's a very fair point. I never even thought of it as a degree of like, that's, yeah, that's, I think I heard like Drew Carey talking about Nerdist. Like he was one of the last people to do Carson and then a career took off. Yeah. But then after that, it was just like, all right. I mean, it's cool. I'm not taking anything away from it. It's a huge accomplishment. Oh yeah. It's same with bands. You get on there and it's, it's everything, but it's also not what it, it's just things are changed because things are more niche. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I mean, and everything is spread out. Just the fact that there is more than just Carson and you now have multiple late night shows and multiple other random i mean madison square garden has the msg network and there was a brief time where they were doing the madison square garden comedy hour and it's like there's so many other ways that you can get on tv that it's not as meaningful now to get on tv or you could be successful without being on tv but still being on a show right like difficult people right so you were on a tv show that is technically speaking not a tv show but i i consider it a tv show because i watched it on my tv yeah no that you can watch it if you can stream anything to your tv it's technically yeah. on tv now, even when i was talking to adam and uh kevin about gigahose i mean like they're like oh it's a web series i'm like yeah it is but i watch it on my tv so to me it's like a tv show it's a true like, television program it really is it's 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 a great show so it's awesome yeah um Oh man, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, doing this. Is there anything else we need to hit? You want to hit on? No, I mean, I think this has been great. I mean, if I can, I'll just push it one more time. Check out my podcast. You can follow, but I also it's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Go onto iTunes, subscribe, leave us a fun comment. Uh, let me know what your favorite episode is. We just had an episode of uh, one of my friends who she was a assistant to a provost in a college. If you've ever wondered what a provost is, you could find out. That's great. Uh, vocab terms. And then she was in, uh, she helped run cheese classes at a cheese tasting place in New York City. So we talk about yeah. cheese. So if you have a cheesy joke, uh, you should send me a message and let me know. Um, also I've got my own website. It's just funnyaron.com. It's A-A-R-O-N, like how Aaron should be spelled <laughs> and funny with, <laughs> with two N's because that's also how funny should be spelled. And I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at funny Aaron, all that. So, yeah, and I like, I didn't get to listen to your cheese episode yet. That's in my queue. I think the one I listened to, the couple I listened to today was the, uh, the Apple guy who did, wrote musical theater. Oh, yeah. He's, he, and he's the guy who wrote my intro music, my theme song for my actual podcast. Yeah. And then who was the girl? I'm so sorry. This is bad because I host a podcast and you think you should hold all these names. <laughs> you had a girl who worked in production for TV, but she worked on, uh, 
She does nail art, but the thing that stuck with me is that she worked on the MTV show Made that I used to love. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> Rachel Klein. Fucking threw me yeah, back. she worked on Made and she loved it. She she still does a little bit of casting and a little bit of stuff for production companies. Um she's the one so she actually her also she is a fashion uh personal stylist now. And she gets hired by people to go in and do styling for TV shows, for movies, and just a person, you know, someone who's got a job interview coming up and they want to feel confident and they'll hire her to go in and go through their wardrobe and set something up. Now, those are all such odd jobs that make no sense. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. You combine them all together and she's, yeah, she's doing it all. I don't think there's a path for that. I listen to, I, and I listen to obviously Adams, but yeah, no, I really, I wouldn't add it was so funny when Adam's like, oh, uh, Aaron should do your show. It's like, you were on my list of people to ask before he did that. So I was like, oh, man, that, oh, that means I'll say yes. So this works out great. It was kismet. <laughs> it was meant to happen. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I always ask people where they could find you online, which you did first, because yeah. you actually know how to plug yourself, which sometimes I get annoyed when I talk to like professional comedians or actors or something, and they don't have that skill set. Like, uh, you got to do it. the job, but they can't, oh, I don't sell myself. I'm like... Well, no one's going to do that for you. No, every college so, like, show I have, I write in my outline before I go up, you know, when I push my website, push this, I have free pens that I give away after shows. Smart. And I make sure that I, you don't end with it. I, I learned you put it about five minutes before the end. So you do a little like, hey guys, I'm going to wrap up in a little bit, but before I go, let me just uh, talk to you about a little, you smart. know, then you do it, then you go and you actually do some closing jokes and make sure those are some solid jokes because now they remember you just told them to go to your website. They're also now aware there's only a couple more minutes left, so they kind of perk up. And believe it or not, mm-hmm. that's actually the best I will usually do on stage is that last five yeah. minutes when I've already been on stage for 55 minutes. But once they know it's almost over, then they are invested. That is true. I kind of zone out in an hour set yeah. by the end of it. Like, oh, oh yeah. 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 Um, and it's great. Awesome, man. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for doing thank this. Thank you so much for having me on this. Let's Chat with Revel and Friends is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows, That Pop This Live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at courtsandparts.com.